Welcome to the A&J Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Leal. And I'm your host, Jordan Carson. We have another exciting week of sports for you today, so let's get started. When you look at game two, Giannis is now looking like his true form. He sits at 42 points, 12 rebounds. He goes off for what is only to be known as an MVP-like run or MVP-type performance. Chris Middleton, nowhere to be found at 11 points. But, I mean, when Giannis has taken 42 of them, I know there's not a, a whole lot to be given. But still, you can find it. If there's 40, if, if Chris Paul can go off for 41 in the finals with Booker still putting up 20-plus, like, I think Middleton needs to find a way to be there as well. Um. And so he was, he was kind of mainly irrelevant, but Brooke Lopez yet again, only pulls down Brooke Lopez pulls on nine rebounds, eight points. On the flip side, you look at that Deandre Ayton had 10 points, few more rebounds at 11, but a guy that also didn't get boxed out who we know has been a solid man and down low. And as a good rebounder is Jay Crowder. He had 10 boards. So you had 21 rebounds between Aiton and Crowder. Like where is the box out from the, from the Milwaukee Bucks right now? You cannot afford to continually get out rebounded. And uh, Chris Paul and Booker just kind of switched. All right. Just a quick little recap on NHL. And then we're going to kind of hit the finals and it's going to be a little bit shorter today. Hopefully I, that's the, that's the goal and keep it short and sweet this week. So as we predicted, the Tampa Bay Lightning are finals. Final, or, yeah, right, Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, Tampa Bay Lightning finals, back-to-back finals for the first time in their, I think, team history. And then, obviously, the first time since, I think, the Red Wings is what they had said, the, the repeat Red Wings, or was it the Penguins? Uh, Penguins, yeah. Penguins, right. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, no surprise here. They were just – they just looked dominant all series. I think, like we said, the last – Game four win or game three win was just a, a last last ditch effort to kind of fight back and go out with at least a one win for Montreal. But I mean, other than that, it just looked Tampa Bay looked the part. They look like full on champions through and through. Yeah, their team's complete. They have probably one of the most complete teams in hockey I've seen in the last decade. Um, Pittsburgh was a juggernaut on offense when they won their back to back. Um, the Red Wings weren't necessarily offensive juggernaut, but they were such, they were so gifted defensively, um, and absolute amazing goaltending. Uh, this Tampa Bay team had both <laughs> great defense, great, um, scoring ability and goaltending is phenomenal. As we talked about too, Vavlesky winning the, um, MVP, uh, rightfully so. I mean, the guy has played tremendously throughout the entire season and the playoffs, you could barely get anything by him. Uh, and when you did, uh, you really you had to work for every little inch um, to even try to score against him. So uh, Tampa Bay, like you said, they looked far apart. Montreal game four win was just a last ditch effort to not get swept. Um, you know, my hat's go off to them, though, too, for making it this far. They weren't even nobody had been going this far. Um, so they surprised a lot of people by the teams they beat in the West. And um yeah, but congrats to Tampa Bay and, and their back-to-back uh, Stanley Cup champions. And <laughs> maybe maybe we'll see them go for a third because they're not going anywhere. Yeah, I completely agree. That goal, uh, goalie was uh, unstoppable. He gave up, you know, I don't know. He didn't give up 
a lot of goals this year. I mean, and like I said, if you, if you did, it was, you really had to work for it. You had to, you had to catch them off guard and that was harder, uh, easier said than most times to do. I mean, some of the games that I think they took losses in this year weren't even the starting goalie. So might've just been that rotational guy, but nonetheless, I mean, you just, you, you can't look past at what he did all season long and there's a reason why he's finals MVP. Looking onto the NBA finals, um, the Suns are dominating right now. Obviously, 118 seems to be the magic number. Uh, 105 for the Bucks in the first game and 108 in the second game. So the Bucks did find a way to get an extra three points, but nonetheless, to no avail, 118 is the Suns' magic number. Now they are going on the road to Milwaukee, or is, are the Suns going on the road? They are... Let's just look at some game one stats really quick before we get to kind of like the speculation now that I think about it. So Giannis was good to go. Um, apparently, as we discussed with Jeanette last week, you're, you know, if you're going to put him in, he's not going to be on a minute's restriction. They're going to feel that his knee and everything has recovered, or at least he's up in that upper 85 to 90%, and they're not worried about him and it. They put him through everything they wanted to. They made sure he looked good. And he did. He looked really good. 20 points. I mean, that's for uh, for an MVP. Oh, so we have a little bit of extra time here. So I'm just going to kind of burn it on some uh, NFL news. So I remember early on uh, for several podcasts ago, we covered kind of like how uh, Stefan Gilmore is leaving the Patriots because of a contract dispute. And his comments on that now more recently are he just wants what he's worth. And I can only think of like some of the other guys that said the same thing on how they wanted the Patriots to hand out money to them. And at what point, and uh, it was a defensive guy. And I remember he left and I don't remember hearing anything that he did this past or the past, like after he left that next season or even beyond. So it's that concept of will Steven, will Stefan Gilmore be able to go somewhere, get the money he's looking for and still be relevant um, to make, you know, I mean, it also depends on the team that you go to because, yes, there is going to be a team out there that is going to pay for his services. Don't get me wrong. But you just think of some of the better defensive players that have, like, asked for contracts, didn't get them, go somewhere else, and then they usually don't show up. And this is defensive side of the ball at best, at, you know, for the most part. Yeah, I mean, here's the, here's the problem. Jalen Ramsey, Marcus Peters, Xavier Howard from um, Miami, Cordavius White, uh, Chris Harris Jr., Jair Alexander, uh, Marshawn Lattimore. Okay, these are just some of the few names of corners in the league who are the top in the top ten. Um, all these guys are under thirty. So for Stephon Gilmore, you're thirty. Um, you, your age playing out does not suit you very well for a contract, which is why Belichick is not budging on top of it's Bill Belichick. When has he ever budged? He got rid of the greatest quarterback, arguably, uh, because he did not want to pay Tom Brady. He said, you know what? You are 40 something years old. Uh, you're still playing good, but uh, I, I can't, I'm not paying you. because How do I know you're going to perform? Which Tom Brady obviously made him look silly last year. Um, so, Gilmore is well worth the money. Don't get me wrong. A team that wants to win a Super Bowl, take pick him up because he'll probably lead you there. Uh, now, as my Rams, for instance, can you imagine Jalen Ramsey and Stephon Gilmore together? 
Yeah, good luck with that defense. I don't know how you're even going to score. Uh, plus, Donald's in the middle. I mean, I could go on and on about the Rams. Um, put him on Seattle. <laughs> Seattle's defense is already really good. Put him on the Niners. Excellent defense right there, too. They're already great. So any of these Super Bowl contending teams right now, uh, even Kansas City. Um, yeah, there's a question about cap space, though. Yeah, well, exactly. Exactly. That, that's the biggest thing is what team has a cap space for him. Um, but if you're, if you're in New England – you know, you, you could actually get quite a bit for him uh, because he is such a talent defensively. Um, I understand his frustration. I'm with him. He's well worth the money. And the problem is, again, you're 30 years old. The chances of you being a significant player for the next four years, usually not on your side, uh, which is why Belichick is not budging. So I'm interested to see how this plays out. But if you're in New England, if you're trying to tell your fan base that you're still trying to win, um, this isn't a good look for you because clearly that tells you you're not looking to win still. And you're about to be in a rebuild mode. Um, I just think like in years past, you know, I mean, it doesn't seem like a good look. And I mean, you got to think of all the guys that have, you know, said, I want more money and they let them go. And they've always, and they've always, you know, proven to be correct. I mean, Tom Brady, I think is just a, you know, he's a different specimen at this point. And you have to understand that like, when you made that decision, you, I think you made a poor decision understanding that if you would have paid him a little bit more or even more, I think you would have been fine. Like it's pretty obvious that he, he hasn't been declining. Like, yeah, he has made some questionable decisions in his age, but like he still hasn't declined enough to where you can say he's not going to be considered a championship contending or a championship caliber quarterback. Um, he just doesn't do the outstanding numbers that he used to throw, but he still is a very effective quarterback. So I think this is just the one case where Belichick and crew were wrong about letting Brady go. But nonetheless is like, yeah, I mean, cap space, when you think of like the teams that are going to be able to afford him, Super Bowl contending teams usually are pretty stacked up. And if they're lucky, they have room, but like, you know, like think of the Rams, like they're paying for Stafford's rough contract. I mean, that's why the that's why the contract switch or that's why the quarterback exchange made sense because Jared Goff's contract was no prettier than Matthew Stafford, so it was a kind of a, a solid switch for both teams, in in each sense. So there's no there's no guarantees. That the, I mean, the Rams probably don't even have the money to pay Gilmore whatever the heck he wants, unless Gilmore wants to win a Super Bowl with taking, you know, making more money than what he's probably making now, but not nearly as much as he thinks he's worth i mean you just have those those uh factors and maybe that's what he's looking for. who knows um well and i think the the biggest thing too is if like the Rams, for instance i mean i'm not saying you can just sign gilmore um that's not that easy right. to do uh you'd have to trade but <clears throat> who would they have to trade I, i'm not sure but they would do it um if they could get a player of gilmore's caliber to line up with Jalen ramsey on the outside I mean, you're trying to win a Super Bowl here. <laughs> that would probably put you solidified favorites at that point if you got him. Because yeah. um, right now it's, it's, you know, Tampa Bay, Kansas City. Uh, I don't even know how, but Baltimore um, and Buffalo, I believe, are still ahead of the Rams and I think the Niners. Um, I get the Niners. I get the Bucks and the Chiefs. Yeah, I, I can see that too. Uh, the Ravens and Bills, I don't know how they're ahead of the Rams as favorites, but I get the Bills just because of the, the team they put I mean, together. And if they would have been a healthier – I don't know. Where they, yeah, I don't even think they really had any – I think they just have some growing to do. Um, I don't understand the Ravens. Uh, the Rams 
the only reason they're not is because people are still skeptical on like, well, Matthew Stafford really didn't do anything prominent in Detroit. So like, they're still waiting to see that, um, that stuff. But yeah, I mean, you're right. The Rams are stacked. I guess I don't understand why they're not above the Ravens. The Ravens are the one odd team out that I don't understand because Lamar Jackson has performed two out of his three years. Like he had an absolutely torrentious downfall last year. I mean, where, where is he going to be? What is he going to look like coming into this, this season? I mean, you look at them, like what, what people have to understand this with, with Jared Goff. Um, Jared Goff was awful, awful the last two years. Matthew Stafford, you look at his numbers against a lot of the teams out there, and Chicago Bear fans, they know very well, and they'll see each other week one in L.A. Uh, he has torched the Bears. I mean, his numbers have been outstanding against Chicago. The problem is his team hasn't played so well against the Bears. Because yeah, who set over. that up? How, how, who set that up for the Rams? Like, did they just want the Rams to start off on 1-0? Like, they just said, hey, guys, we're going to adjust our schedule. Let's play the Bears week one. Like, Matthew Stafford knows all of that, and we'll just have some insight. And well, We should be able to win, right? I mean, It's going to be a long, that? long day for the Bears in week one. That's going to be a long day. Um, you have the quarterback that they have, Dalton. plus Stafford's caliber of quarterback. Yeah, it's going to be a long day for Chicago game one. Um, but well, well, I mean, back to the, you know, the, the original point with Gilmore, I do think there are teams in the, the playoffs right now that could trade for him. Um, one team I really think needs him is Tennessee. I told my brother this talking to him the last couple of days, Tennessee needs to become a top 12 defense. They become a top 12 defense. They're a Super Bowl contender. They're probably in the Super Bowl actually, because their offense right now is, is just dominating. I mean, they to pair Derrick Henry with, with, with Brown, and, and now you have Julio. Um, granted, what Julio will you get? Healthy, unhealthy, I, I don't know. Um, but if they become a top 12 defense, which Gilmore, if you can add him to the mix, you'll become that um, because he is still a shutdown corner. I understand the Patriots side of it is saying the, the chances of you playing another four or five years at this level is pr- pretty unlikely. However, he has given you so many years of a phenomenal service. You, you barely paid the man. And now you're going to tell him, well, we're still not going to pay you, even though you've been a top corner in the league the last five years. We're just not going to pay you at all. That's how New England does it. And they've always done it for the entire time of their, their organization since Belichick's been there. It's not changing. Why Tom Brady is out. If Tom Brady it can be out, I'm sorry, Gilmore, you are not even close to the caliber of Brady status in New England. You will not get paid either. They just do not care. Um, so for Gilmore, request a trade at this point. Just request a trade and get out of there. Um, if you're in New England, I would take it because you can compensate quite a bit for him. You could get quite a few picks in the future. Um, you might be able to get some type of talent back. Um, that's not obviously to his level, but, you know, pretty close possibly or uh, upcoming talent. Um, but th- this situation right now in New England, if you're a New England fan, should probably traumatize you because <laughs> this is telling you you're not competing still. You're, you're just about to rebuild. You're about to start that process of rebuild mode. Uh, we kind of saw it last year with Cam Newton as well. You and I both thought, yeah, this is definitely like a rebuilding team. And here they are again. I think you're going to see it even more, especially if Gilmore does get traded, which I am speculating he will get traded before the season starts. And to just kind of cap this off, um, in a couple of weeks, we're going to, not just we, but 
Aaron Rodgers is going to figure out kind of what his 2021 plans are looking like. Candidate like to come out and put up 20.17 rebounds. That's a, that's a very nice showing. Like, obviously it's not like your MVP performance, so to say, but like after coming off of a few games and with a, and something as like dangerous as a knee in this sport, like to put up 20 points and to still get down there and pull up 17 boards. Like, obviously you're feeling confident. You're looking good. Middleton was relevant in that entire game with 29 points as well of his own. So where does the problem fall? Well, <clears throat> Booker and Booker put up 27 and Chris Paul put up 32. So they kind of matched up pretty well. Um, but where you see the lopsidedness is in the paint. DeAndre Ayton had 22 points. Brooke Lopez had 17. There's not the issue. The issue is the rebounding. DeAndre Ayton had 19 rebounds, which means he was pulling down boards and Brooke Lopez only had seven or six. I mean, you can't win an NBA Finals giving just getting out rebounded at this point when both of these teams are all about high scoring it's going to come down to who's going to pull down rebounds and DeAndre Ayton just handled Brooke Lopez very well game one they'll come back game four ready (laughs) it's not like you're going to come back game four and oh now we're going to play even worse now we're tied two two um there's the same concept of like they're a western team they don't play in the east a lot or they don't yeah yeah. generally you don't play in the east a lot so I mean the issue that you're going to have is they're not going to be used to this Milwaukee crowd. So yeah, if they lose tonight, like most teams do first game away, there's a reason why, like, you know, it, it's not, ju- I mean, unless it's just missing the shots, but sometimes, you know, if you're out of a rhythm, it's hard to get back in a rhythm when the arena's rocking. So it'll be a, a big, uh, a big change, but I mean, yeah, you, you turn around your next game and you just realize, you know, we have to push past this because we're better than this. If you're Phoenix, you better come out starting a lot better than you did game two. Because if you start the way you did game two, I understand you're only down by three at the end of the first, and I was still trying to figure out how. Uh, But if your first five minutes of that game starts out like game two, this will be a blowout. And it will not be very – it won't be interesting. I can imagine Monty Williams will sit all the starters in the first quarter after that because you'll be down by 20-plus against Milwaukee at Milwaukee. you have to come out as like a desperation game seven mode. Like this is literally do or die. Uh, And I'm not saying they have to win, obviously. It's more of you have to compete with this team. Do not let up. Do not sit there and say, well, we got some wiggle room here. No, you you don't want to do that. And the beautiful part is they know that. And Chris Paul knows that. Uh, He's well aware of what happens when you allow teams to come back into the series. Uh, AKA the Clippers, which is what we thought possibly could have happened last series. Uh, but Chris Paul said, nope, we're not coming back to my place game seven. We're just going to take care of it here. Um, but his track record is not very good when letting teams come back. So um, interesting to see the and different essential, coaching essentially, that they both make. Essentially taking care of it in the, in the Staples Center was his place. He played there for yeah. so many years. He was yeah. right back in his element and he just took over. Um, yeah. But yeah, on the Milwaukee side, you have to think like Milwaukee, if there's any team that needs to play like it's a game seven and it's a it's a win or, you know, win it or lose it type situation. It's it's now you have to take these next few the rest of the series as a play hard game seven. You know, it should be a back and forth, constant lead change um, or just get the lead. Never look back. I mean, yeah, you've got a team here that you want any chance of winning this. You can't afford to go down 3-0. 
you go down 3-0, it, I think it's a sweep. And if it's not, you're still losing in five. Like, it's just as simple as that. You don't, you, you either, you're either getting swept or you're losing in five if you lose tomorrow. Question for you. Do you believe Phoenix will switch to his own tonight? No. Why, why would no. you? It's working. I, I don't I don't see why you would. I mean it's working. Giannis is putting up 42, fine. But guess what? Phoenix guard guarded everybody else. Go ahead, Giannis, throw 42 at me. Like if nobody else is gonna make or create or hit shots, like why why switch to his own? Maybe they do in that sense. Like maybe they switch to his own to make sure that everyone is guarded and they just, you know, they take an extra defender from Giannis and use him somewhere else and double Middleton. Because I haven't, I'm sorry, other, like you said, other than Drew Holiday, I don't know anybody outside of Middleton who's been performing on that Bucks team um, significantly enough. Like Lopez has been a solid factor, but he's not like a guy who's going to drop 35, 31 points for Devin Booker, 23 points for Chris Paul. I mean, it's a domination show here. Like it's going to be who can, who can pull down the boards and who can get those extra possessions at this point. And right now the Milwaukee Bucks are losing that battle. Yeah, I agree. Um, if you look at game one stats, Milwaukee shot 16 for 36 from three. Phoenix shot 11 for 34. That's a 44% difference, or 44% for Milwaukee, 32% for Phoenix that day. Um, they still lost. <laughs> you go to game two, Milwaukee shoots nine for 31, which is 29%. Phoenix shoots 20 for 40, which is 50%. And Milwaukee... Um, they still out-rebounded Phoenix both games, um, and the field goal percentage was not very far off. The problem is, as you're saying, these rebounds, even though they out-rebounded Phoenix both games, it's when they mattered. You, Phoenix Suns have gotten so many loose balls uh, or you know, second, third, fourth, four opportunities to make the basket again because Milwaukee just is not boxing out. Um, and one guy that's really disappointing for me, too, is Drew Holiday. Where, where are you? What have you been doing? Game one, you were nothing. You weren't even existent. Game two, you came out and you were more aggressive. That's great. The problem is you, you shot horrible. You, you can't – you cannot be the point guard of your team and play this bad and expect to compete with Phoenix right now. Um, Chris Paul's taking him to school. Devin Booker's taking him to school. Cameron Payne's taking him to school. Um, and the one thing I, I am shocked with, and you and I talked about this in previous podcasts, Milwaukee has been one of the top three three-point shooting teams in the league regular season. In the playoffs, they are one of the worst teams at threes. So we wonder what happened. We don't have an answer for you what happened from regular season to playoffs. But the biggest thing is, why do you keep shooting threes? If you, the height that you have, the size that you have, you can take advantage of Phoenix, but yet you're not doing that. I expect to see this turnaround game three at home. I expect to see Milwaukee shoot less threes and dominate more in the paint. Um, and it's going to come down to, can they stop Phoenix from shooting threes and getting hot, obviously. But Giannis had a phenomenal game. And Skip Bayless was talking about how uh, Milwaukee plays better without Giannis. Um, if they didn't have Giannis in this series, I don't think this would be much of a series, quite frankly. Um, you right, know, I think I he's kind of holding this team together right now. 
He is. I understand the side that Skip's coming from as far as Middleton, Drew Holiday, Brooke Lopez. These guys are more aggressive. They play more like the, their old selves. Well, I understand that because, yeah, Giannis has a lot of touches usually. Um, but game one, Giannis shot the ball 11 times. Now, obviously, he came back from injury, so we understood a little bit of that. But 11 times is not going to do you anything. Um, now, game two, he clearly shot a lot more and was efficient, very efficient. Um, but Phoenix is going to let Giannis score. That's just a reality. They're going to say, you know what, we really can't guard you anyways. We understand that. Keep making your threes that you're making once in a great while. Keep dominating us in the paint by yourself, and you can score 50 if you want. We'll shut down everybody else, and that's exactly what they're doing. Um, Phoenix is getting help from their supporting cast. Milwaukee is not. And Chris Middleton, I like him. He's been an all-star for a few years. Um, he's a really good player. He's been really good in the playoffs so far. You've been non-existent. Uh, game one, yeah, you had 29 points, but your, your field goal percentage was not very good. And most of your points came in the first quarter, uh, first quarter and second quarter. So um, you need to show up big at home because I can tell you right now, if Milwaukee starts off um, in a bad spot, this is going to get ugly really quickly. And they should actually be concerned because game two, they got off to a great start. Phoenix could not make a shot to save their lives. And the next thing you know, the end of the first quarter, they were only up by three. I was wondering what happened. How are you going up by three? And Phoenix is not even playing very well. Um, next thing you know, they're down by 20 at half. <laughs> this is what happens with Milwaukee. They're so inconsistent. So I expect them coming home tonight, a jolt of energy from their crowd. Um, I, I'm really hoping for the sake of the fans here that this becomes a competitive series. Because right now, as you said, it's really looking one-sided. Yeah, I, I mean, if, yeah, if Milwaukee can go in and clean up just some of their their sloppy plays and sloppy mistakes that they've had they can easily turn this around and we can be at a game five back in phoenix but at the rate that they're playing if if some of the role players don't step up the way they have been and like you said especially drew holiday being a solid you know guy to back that role up or at least as a starting guard you know he's got to step up and play to the level he's capable of and you either need to yeah you either need to start hitting threes or go away from that game plan completely and start taking advantage of size. Like, I don't know what you need to do. Like, obviously, yes, threes are more than twos, but if it's not working, you're, you can't force something that's not working. I mean, it's just simple as that. We've seen this happen. You know, we've seen teas live and die by the three. And most of the time, if they're dying, they're dying. They're not, they're, they don't find it. The, the problem I have with Milwaukee is when you're shooting your threes, a lot of your shots aren't even like, in the past series, a lot of their shots were wide open, and they were missing. This series so far, you're not getting a lot of wide open looks. You're getting a few of them, mm -hmm. but you're still shooting threes. Why? You are bigger than Phoenix. You are. It's just it's, it's a fact. Um, like DeAndre Ayton is not bigger than Brook Lopez. <laughs> Brook Lopez looks like he has about a hundred pounds more than him. To be honest with you, I know he doesn't, but he looks like he has way more size to him than Aiton. Why are you not scoring in the paint? Why are you playing on the outside trying to shoot threes all the time? That's exactly what the Dallas Mavericks are wondering with Porzingis. Now, granted, he does not have the physical stature of Brooke Lopez or even Aiton, but it's more of you're a seven foot plus center, power forward center, and you're shooting threes instead of playing in the paint where you could easily get an 18 foot jump shot, 
10 foot jump shot over anybody you want. Um, I expect a different game plan for Milwaukee tonight. Uh, I, I think Middleton will show up better. I think Drew Holiday, for the sake of Milwaukee fans, he better show up because if he doesn't, this could get really, really ugly very quickly. And you go down 3-0 to Phoenix, you're not coming back. Um, it, it will be over possibly even in four. Um, so I'll be looking forward to seeing what this game brings tonight. But as you said, they just keep – you got to take smart shots. You can't keep – now that you're at home, you can't think, well, we're at home. Let's just keep shooting the threes that we've been shooting. So that, that's not going to cut it. <laughs> you have to take timely threes and really push to pace and transition, uh, which is where Giannis is obviously strongest at. Yeah. I mean, you have to get him shots, and you have to use him to open up the three a little bit more. But, I mean, I feel like a lot of the looks that they've – that Brooklyn or that Milwaukee gets are very is very open because they use Giannis's size to draw in the defenders. So I mean, if you're not making wide open ones, I don't know what more you want. Like, you want a practice session? Like, I'm sorry, this is the NBA Finals. You don't get practice sessions in the NBA Finals a whole lot. Usually, are playing against one of the best teams in the league. What I'm curious about is they had essentially three days off now. They'll play tonight at eight o'clock Eastern. Mm -hmm. So. Will that hurt Milwaukee or will that help Milwaukee? Because you started off really fast against Phoenix game two. Now you have a little bit of extra day to rest and practice. I'm really curious to see if this will help Milwaukee or if it's something that they're going to wish they had played yesterday uh, at home as opposed to today. Obviously, both teams are dealing with the same thing. Um, but Phoenix just looks like a different animal. They look like they're on a mission. I've said that from the beginning of the playoffs. It looks like they're... Uh, mindset is so different um, than any other team. Chris Paul wants his first title, and they're just poised. They are very poised and calm, and they don't they don't get too worked up, too hyped up. Um, even if they were to lose tonight, and I, I'm expecting them to lose tonight. Yeah, I, I think the only reason I would see Phoenix switch into a zone tonight possibly is because Milwaukee shot so bad from three. Let them keep shooting. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, obviously, I agree. I mean, what, they, what they've been doing has worked already. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if you see a different type of zone sequence included um, into the, you know, the, the original man-to-man. Um, I think you'll see that, that kind of really good sagging off of Giannis and try to yeah. make sure you, you kind of clog the pain up. And, yeah, push, that, push the bill to shoot three. I mean, if they can beat you with threes, good. They finally got back to where they were. But, I mean, I, yeah, I say you force them to beat you with threes something they've been struggling with all finals or all playoffs, not even just finals. Yeah. And I think for Phoenix too, you got to do, be able to do a little bit more scoring on the inside. Um, oh yeah. I mean, Aiden having the one game, of... Aiden having the one game at 22 points is like, you know, that's, that's a great start, but now you got to keep that rolling. Yeah. And I think for, for Phoenix, I mean, 20 out of 40, the chances of you shooting that from three again, aren't very likely. Um, that, that obviously was such a difference right there. He just made so many more threes that, you know, I mean, Milwaukee can look at some things and say, yep, we actually did really well game two in a lot of areas. Phoenix caught fire in, on threes, which that just was the devastating blow to Milwaukee. But, um, again, for, for Milwaukee, start fast like you did game two. Um, take better timely threes. And if you're Phoenix, start faster. Because if you don't, this will be I, – I will picture tonight, if you start the way you did – You'll be down 35 to probably like 15. Um, and then from there, it's going to be blowout city the rest of the way. Because Milwaukee, like you said, in front of their home crowd, it's loud. 
it is loud and they they feed off it um but phoenix did the same thing the first two games so um i really hope for the sake of the fan that this is a close game i don't really care the outcome i'm obviously rooting for phoenix to win the series but um, i just i don't want to see this go to a blowout where the next thing you know yep you're down 3-0 and okay well these finals are done <laughs> um so yeah, I'd be interested to see what coaches do, the changes they make, the lineup changes. Um, if if Milwaukee sits Drew Holiday, I don't know if they will. I, I'm not saying the entire game, but if he comes off the bench instead, I don't know because something has to happen for for Milwaukee because Giannis cannot keep doing this by himself. As in Kevin Durant tried with Brooklyn, it didn't work. As great as he was, it didn't work. He needed help, um, and he didn't get it. So yeah, I mean that's just how we knew. I mean. We know, I think everybody knows that Milwaukee is not the best team in the East. I think they got here because, you know, out of spite and out of, you know, series, they just got the best of a worn out, tired Kevin Durant and a, a shell of himself, James Harden. I mean, when you, when you put those two together, you're, you're not, you're not winning. You're not going to get anywhere. Um, so obviously the best team in the East isn't here representing, but you would have thought that Milwaukee was still the, at least the second best team here. I mean, who was the other New York, I think is who they snuck by, who they had to get by. Uh, no. So Milwaukee beat, um, Miami, uh, the first round, um, right. then they got past Brooklyn second round then Atlanta. So, uh, quite oh, frankly, right. I'm not sure they would have beaten Atlanta had Trey Young been healthy. Uh, they, they just seem to play better basketball um, with a healthy Trey Young. And so not trying to take away from Milwaukee and being in the finals, but like you said, I don't think they're the best team. Um, and yeah, then, no, I don't think and, they're the best team, but I also don't think that they are the third. Like I do think I, I kind of agree with you. Like, I don't know. I think having a healthy Trey Young would have made a difference for Atlanta, but I still believe that like, that Milwaukee is the second best team in the East right now. Like, I don't think the Atlanta Hawks are there just yet. I think in a series, maybe they do walk away with it, but. The only team I think that would have given them a lot of problems um, that they didn't have to play would have been Philadelphia because Philadelphia was, is, yeah. is a massive team. They're, they're really big and they're one, they're a team that doesn't really shoot a ton of threes. They actually dominate you in the paint. Uh, granted, they couldn't really do that to Atlanta. Um, and Atlanta caught fire from three as well at, at certain points. So, um, but I, I think we, we all know this clearly. If Brooklyn was healthy with all three stars, um, they would be. I, they, it wouldn't have even been close. I, I mean, <laughs> it would have been a blowout uh, series, probably 4 1, maybe 4 2 if you're lucky. But, but even um, as a top seed in the East, like you would have thought that there would have been a, a better fight, or, you know, you would have thought this would be split. Or, I mean, and that's the thing. Maybe it is. Maybe they're just not a, a road team and they come back in home and they tie it up. But, I mean, in the long run, now you're going to, what, see seven games and you're going to lose in in, uh, in Phoenix? Who knows? Maybe you just play better when it is an actual game seven. It just depends. I just feel like you would have thought they would have split. It would have been – or at least it would have been closer. So it would have been like, okay, Phoenix is up 2-0, but both games were close, close you know, losses for Milwaukee and maybe they come back and – find a way to edge and now you're looking at a pretty interesting finals but right now it's been underwhelming um other than like you said game two they started off pretty hot um, 
so so hopefully they can kind of put their act together and play a little bit better defense against a pretty high scoring team. Yeah, I mean that's the biggest thing. The switching is, is killing them right now. Um, they're not switching fast enough, and when they do, they you're having Devin Booker and Chris Paul against Brook Lopez. Are, are you you serious right now? <laughs> he he can't guard them. He just can't. Um, and so again for Phoenix, you cannot live and die off this three ball. You can't think coming to Milwaukee tonight. Well, we need to hit 23s. You're probably going to need to <laughs> to to be able to compete with them right now. Because uh, game two, had they not, you know, just think it had they shot like a normal three-point percentage, um, like 40%, they would have lost the game. I mean, yeah. so they have to start out much faster than they did last game. Uh, but Milwaukee, you have to keep dominating in the paint and take timely threes. You cannot be shooting 33s a game, considering your percentage in the playoffs, I believe, under 30%. That's pathetic. Stop shooting threes, dominate them in the paint, Chris Middleton, you are bigger than Devin Booker. You are. You're taller. Uh, you're stronger. Why are you not posting him up? I, I am baffled by this. I guarantee you in film, they've watched this. And tonight, you'll see a different Milwaukee team come out and say, you know what? I'm kind of how you and I coached. If you are dominating in the paint, keep going to what's working. The only time you're taking a three is when you're wide open. When they have help come to you, and you, you pass it out. That's when you can take a three. Uh, till then, stop shooting because you're not making them right now. Uh, and that is costing you games. Potentially, it could cost you the series. I think we're both in agreement that he's not playing for the Packers. Um, so what team is he playing for? Like, who do the Packers trade with? Or is he going to, quote, unquote, retire or sit a year and see what happens? Yeah, I think Denver is going to be the team that is, that's the biggest speculation right now is Denver. They've been in talks with Green Bay for a while. I'm not sure the the package that they'd be giving up to get him. Um, but if you're Green Bay, stop being fools. Trade the man. He doesn't want to play with you anymore. He doesn't. He's tired of you. He's not only tired of general of the GM there. Uh, the president is coming out making comments now about how Rogers is, is causing a stir and doing all this crap. First off, you're the president of this team. You have done nothing as far as the organization goes that has made Green Bay get to this point. Um, Rogers and, and Adams have stirred this, this cup of coffee for you for years. Um, for you to come out and talk about your quarterback in this manner, instead of having his back or trying to understand why he's doing what he's doing. I mean, quite frankly, too, I think Aaron Rodgers doesn't trust the floor. That trust was lost in the last year in the NFC Championship game. When you took him out on fourth down and said, well, analytically, it makes sense to go for a field goal because <clears throat> if we're down by eight, we'll cut it to five. You're, do you understand who you're giving the ball back to on the other end of the field? Like, do you understand Tom Brady as a quarterback for Tampa? And yeah. you're going to say, well, our defense has played really well, which it has. We're going to trust your defense. I'm sorry, I don't care what defense you have in, any, in the league at all. I do not care. You could have the Rams defense, number one, or the Niners defense, number two. You're, I'm not putting my trust in that over Tom Brady. I'm sorry, I'm just not. And Aaron Rodgers said, you know what? Yep, I already had problems with the GM. I had problems with our president a little bit, now even more so. And LaFleur, I just lost all hope in you because you have just showed me that you are not about um, – you, you don't fully trust me. You want to do it your way? And look where it got you out of the Super Bowl. 
because of that ridiculous uh, decision to make. So I, I believe Rogers will go to Denver. I think that's the biggest speculation right now. I think it will happen. Just a matter of when. Um, yeah, I mean, know, of, all, of all the teams that need a quarterback, they're the ones that need one. I mean, the other team that I think people would like to see just because of the legacy would like to see them uh, see him go down to New Orleans and replace Drew Brees. But I don't think New Orleans would be willing to give up a package or the package that they would need to give up. It'd kind of be like if you look at Chicago, like, you know, Green Bay would never trade to Chicago. But if the package was right, they obviously would. But that would be way too much and way too more than what they'd want to give up. Like, yes, Rodgers is worth a lot, but I don't think he's worth your entire team to sacrifice. And I don't think that either the Bears nor the uh, Saints have the ability to do such. And you're right. Of all the teams that need a quarterback that are um, – that you know that have the availability or at least a nice package to give without give without losing it all Denver looks to be that group I can't think of another team right now maybe nope I can't think of another team right now that could really use a quarterback that has a package to give hopefully uh, yeah we slowly get back to just doing podcasts on a regular basis as I feel like our weekends are going to start opening up again <laughs> as we get back into this rhythm yeah, the only other team I could think of, which I would wonder if they would even do, is Atlanta. You're, yeah. you're, there's talks about Matt Ryan not wanting him anymore, which I don't really know why. He has been nothing but a phenomenal athlete for you. He's a Hall of Famer, no question. Um, but because of the talks of that, would Atlanta trade him? He's not the caliber of Rodgers, but he's, cl- he's close. He's a star. Um, and then would you give up a draft pick or two to acquire Rodgers? I don't even know if that would be enough, though, because, like, look at you, look at it from the Green Bay side. It's like if Julio was still there, that would be a package because they're trying, they were trying to offload Julio at this point if they wanted to make an upgrade. Like, right now, I don't think Atlanta has anything to offer other than Matt Ryan. So, if you were going to get a washed up star, you'd rather get two. True. You know, not to say that Julio is washed up, but like, obviously, like I said, he's got to stay on the field in order to be effective. So, I mean, if you want two guys who are, little bit aging and still decently effective like you'd want like you know those two for Rodgers and I think that deal would go through but right now it's just Matt Ryan like there's really nobody else they have to offer for them other than Gurley but I don't think anyone wants to take a chance on that right now yeah no you're right yeah that's a good point I I I think Denver like we said is the one spot I can see him going to um it'll just be a matter of when that happens um I don't think it's going to be an if I don't think Rodgers is coming back to Green Bay to play for them one more time Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to keep supporting this podcast, head on over to anchor.fm backslash AJ-podcast824. Click that support button and uh, continue to make a donation to us so that we can continue to do what we like to do um, here for you guys. And then, uh, or go down, click the link in the description. Uh, As I said before, we will have, um, you know, we're on Apple Podcasts now. We're on any other big news or any place you kind of get your podcast at this point. Great for the support. Happy to see the numbers continuing to rise. Thank you for putting up with us through through these past few weeks, um, you know, around the holidays. And then we've both just kind of had some technical difficulties here and there. So um, we have been working hard to keep this stuff on a consistent basis, but it all gets uh, pretty easy as uh, life gets back to normal for a while. And we... that's all the time we have for today we hope you enjoyed join us next week for another exciting week of sports and have a great rest of your day